Hey, dollface, what am I wearing? What do you see? Not I you see, in the audience, you looking at me, Mariah. I Susan. see a fedora sitting about a foot ahead of uh, top of your head. Yeah, it fits I, uh, so well. We're talking gangsters today. Apparently, gangsters didn't have headphones to worry about under their hats. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I got this. I got this really cool fedora. It's actually my grandfather's original hat. Wow, it goes Is back it really? a long ways. Yeah, it looks. It looks right. If I just wore it with a suit. I'd yeah. almost look acceptable, right? I like so, it. So it's a very cool hat, but you cannot wear broadcast headphones on your head and have that hat fit in any way whatsoever. So uh, I was going to try to look cool for this podcast, but I can't, <laughs> which is okay. You still look cool. It's, it's pretty much audio. Yeah. Everybody listening is <laughs> like, I don't care. I can't see you. So It's true, but we're trying to you know, illustrate... The, the visual here. And we said last up or the episode before last, we were all going to come to the table here for this today's topic to, and we were going to don our fedoras or our gangster wear. Well, I will tell you this. I do have me in a suit with that fedora on, on a 1940s train. We did an authentic train ride Ooh. up to St. Paul one time. Oh, that's so cool. On the old Amtrak Hiawatha cars. I will give you that picture. Whoever, That'll do. Whoever needs that picture, I'll give it to you. We could put it up on Instagram and, uh, yeah. Just illustrate the gangster era, because I do kind of look like I came up from Chicago to smuggle some stuff yep. <laughs> when I'm wearing that. So today we are all about gangsters and Wisconsin hideouts. Now, we're not talking gangsta like rap in the 90s. Yeah, we're play not some talking, Coolio. We're not talking current <laughs> gangsters in various parts of the state or the country. We are talking about the classic gangsters going back to the 20s, the 30s, the Prohibition era. Mm-hmm. Well, guys talk like this, huh? <laughs> and a lot of gangsters were in Chicago, and their favorite place to come hide away was in Wisconsin. All right, the cabin is brought to you by the Wisconsin Counties Association this week. <laughs> and well, I'll stop that. We're featuring Barron County this week. <laughs> Which was originally called Dallas County back in 1859, which is funny because I used to live right next to Dallas County, Texas, two very different counties. Uh, And it it was renamed Barron County in 1869. There is still, by the way, a little settlement called Dallas in Barron County, Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. home of Valkyrie Brewing Company, which is female Vikings. Very cool Cool. little place. I recommend checking it out. I also recommend checking out some sweet treats like the Norske Nook, which is an iconic stop in the state. Uh, 45 national award-winning pies. They have a location in Rice Lake. Anderson's Pure Maple Syrup is made there. Some of the best in the country. In fact, they're featured in like 9,000 grocery stores. I'm not even making that up. That's a number I'm reading right now. Wow. Pretty extensive distribution. <laughs> and uh, so a lot, a lot of sweet treats in Barron County. We feature that in our Barron County episode of Discover Wisconsin. Right, Mariah? Yep. Eating that pie at the Norske Nook for... <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's great. And of course, through the county, a lot of great snowmobiling trails. Some of the longest trails in Wisconsin. The Wild River State Trail is one of them. That one's 104 miles long. That's crazy. It goes from Rice Lake all the way up to the northwestern corner of Superior on the old rail line. So it's a playground paradise for winter sports and really summer sports too, anytime up there in Barron County. Home to Turtle Lake, which we're doing a brand new episode on that will premiere, I think, in April of this Yes, that was so much fun kayaking, RVing, uh, checking out uh, Silver Creek Springs. Let's give a shout out to them. Oh, yeah, they're the best. They are awesome. So cool. Tony and Lisa. Good memory. 
Yes. That's impressive. I, uh, I, I think Barron County is a lot of fun just to crisscross and check out everything. It totally so. is. Mm-hmm. What do John Dillinger, Al Capone, Babyface Nelson, and Bugs Moran have in common? They're all Chicago Prohibition-era gangsters who sought out Wisconsin for a little refuge. Because even hardened criminals love those Northwood sunsets. Right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) This was so fun to research for, I will admit. You know, it's funny because there are a lot of places where gangsters came up and hid out in Prohibition, but there's even more places in the state that claim they came out and hung hung out up there. Yeah. So you kind of had to separate the wheat from the chaff in this a little bit in in the research. It's true. Yeah, but it's so fun. And mm-hmm. I know, Dave, we were saying right before we both were wanting to watch Public Enemies before we recorded. I, we both seen yeah. it, but I hadn't. I wanted to rewatch it before we recorded this, and I did not get to it. But I definitely, obviously, John Dillinger is the one that gets referenced so often in the Wisconsin gangster research. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to talk about specifically not just the history of Wisconsin gangsters or Chicago gangsters that made their way to Wisconsin, but really like the actual hideouts, because I think what's gotten to be so fun about this topic is we've seen a big uptick in gangster tourism. I just made up that term. But the idea (laughs) that people (laughs) travel to some of these places in Wisconsin where there's some crazy stories associated with these supper clubs and cabins and lodges. So we want to dive into some of them. Yeah. I think what's really intriguing about touring some of these places is so much of it is told through local stories and stuff like that. And a lot of it doesn't have hard evidence that you can Mm -hmm. find out. So (laughs) it really encourages you to talk to the locals and kind of hear stories from many different sources. Lots of local lore. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So in terms of where to start here, I thought I would kick off some of my suggestions and I kind of clustered them into what I'm calling the Northwoods tour. I'm a cluster Mm -hmm. as well. So you want to, instead of hopping back and forth, Mariah, you want to do your Northwoods and then I'll do a couple key areas kind of in the Southeast part of the state. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do that. It'll just be more consistent that way. Yes. Okay. Sweet. So I think it only makes sense to start things off with Little Bohemia Lodge. I mean, it's probably Mm -hmm. the most (laughs) iconic destination in the state when you talk about gangster hideouts. So it's located in Manitowish Waters, which is about an hour and a half north of Wausau, so way up there. This is the spot where John Dillinger himself famously escaped the FBI during a shootout. He left behind his suitcase— clothes, and even some X-Lax tablets. (laughs) I didn't know this, yeah. Um, Which are now all on display at (laughs) Little Bohemia Lodge. And a lot of you may know this already, but the lodge itself is still peppered with bullet holes from that 1934 shootout. And they serve John Dillinger signature steak. Do you think he would have ordered it rare, medium, well done? Ooh. I would think rare to medium rare. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This I love you guys. Little Bohemia Lodge's slogan is Dillinger only left because he had to. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that great? 
I love it. <laughs> of course, if you're familiar with the movie, then you might know it was such a, you know, such a famous shootout because it made the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI, uh, not look all that great because Dillinger and Babyface Nelson escaped rather easily. In fact, I think the FBI agent, the lead agent, sat at the end of the driveway. Now, if I'm not mistaken, in the movie, they make it look like it was a more intense shootout than it was. And I don't know if they <clears> showed this part, but in real life, the FBI agent sat at the end of the driveway because he was so sure he would be able to trap John Dillinger and he would have to go through that way. Well, Dillinger ended up escaping through the woods. So the guy, <laughs> the FBI agent, sat at Never that, occurred in to that the driveway. FBI, huh? <laughs> no, I was like, really? <laughs> then you start to look at it like, well, of course the FBI didn't look so good after that. But uh, he sat there all the way until the morning waiting for Dillinger to just either walk up the driveway, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> wow. This one is still on my list, and it kills me because I've had this on my list since I was in college because I knew of Little Bohemia Lodge just because, um, you know, I think I mentioned in Wisconsin the Movies episode that while I was in college, they were doing the extras casting for Public Enemy. Yeah. So I, I'd read up on my own on Little Bohemia Lodge, and I don't think— I could be wrong here, Eric. Maybe you'll know that you can actually stay there anymore. I think you can go and dine and there's a bar, but I don't believe you can actually rent a room these days. I don't think so. I've been there for a lunch, basically, like a late late lunch. And I didn't see a place where you could actually stay. I think there, there's cabins nearby. Yeah. But the actual lodge itself... Yeah. I don't think they let you stay in anymore, but it is fascinating just to stare at the window. Obviously, they put fresh panes of glass on either side of the original windows, but those windows with the bullet holes, you just it's you just stare at them for a while. It's just fascinating. So crazy. I love that they lean into that history too. There's some like I've got one on my list here that the destination doesn't really I couldn't find any nod to the like history the gangster history on their website so there's it's funny to see how some Wisconsin destinations are all about sharing that and then there's others that are like eh not part of who we are today yeah. that's kind of just fun and fascinating as I was researching but here's one that does still lean into the gangster history and it's Dillman's Bay Resort in Lac de Flambeau which is about 15 miles from Little Bohemia Lodge now after the Little Bohemia Lodge shootout Babyface Nelson managed to elude the FBI and ended up hiding out in what is now known as cabin number five. At the time Babyface stayed in it, it was actually across the lake and it was the home of someone named Mr. Catfish, who was a <laughs> Native American in the area. Shortly after the visit, Mr. Catfish sold the house to Marvin and Margaret Dillman. They sound so lovely. And it was pulled across the winter ice to occupy its lake view on the Dillman's Peninsula. So you actually can still rent out cabin number five. It's a two-bedroom cabin for about $205 or $265 per night, depending on what time of the year you are visiting. Which is so they Catfish. sold them the house and they waited for winter and just pulled it across the lake to its new home. <laughs> I couldn't amazing. find video evidence of this, but it you know was how on thick the internet. The ice gets up there yeah. in the middle of the winter. It's that not is... a surprise to me. You could mm -hmm. slide it across the ice. <laughs> that is something that if you told anyone from like Arizona that story, they would just think that it was absolutely <laughs> that was Wisconsin crazy. Wisconsin <laughs> And I'm sure all the folks on the the neighbors and everyone on the lake was like, Oh, yeah, just you know, that's how you transport nope. housing around here. You wait till January, wait till the ice is thick, and you move the cabin to the prettier side of the lake. <laughs> Better for real estate. Property values probably went up 20% after they did that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk Norwood Pines Supper Club. You guys been here before? 
to this this Norwood Pines in Minaqua. Every time I've been mm-hmm. to Minaqua, I've missed Norwood Me Pines. Too. I gotta go I there know. next time. We, uh, yeah, see, we do have they still to go. have the gambling and a well, okay? Well, <laughs> <laughs> so according to popular legend, now this is one destination on my list that didn't have, from what I noticed, any nod to the gangster culture in the Minaqua area. It was all about come to our supper club and see the pretty white-tailed deer um, on Patricia Lake outside the view. There was nothing about what supposedly occurred back then, which is the fact that it was evidently a popular gangster hangout with gambling and a brothel upstairs, allegedly. Uh, But it is in full operation today. Not the brothel or the gambling, just fully supper club, (laughs) um, which is on. (laughs) I don't want to get attacked by some very fine people that I'm sure run the Norwood Pine Supper Club very legitimately. But it's all that's all it is now is a really (laughs) awesome supper club on Patricia Lake with a very interesting storied past. It's on Highway 70 in Minocqua. And I looked it up and it looks like you're just classic supper club, really beautiful right on the lake. So it is definitely on my list without a doubt. So the gangsters loved to go to Norwood Pine Supper Club in Minocqua, but there was a lot of research I could find in terms of where they didn't just get into trouble and, you know, shootouts, but they would actually, you know, genuinely love vacationing in the area. And some other research I found said that they would seek out the Northwoods because it was just a great spot to kind of bootleg and um, get into a little bit of trouble and run a lot of their businesses, but they actually genuinely liked vacationing. And one of those places they like vacationing in is on the Silver Street District in Hurley. So (laughs) Such um, a nice, peaceful, wholesome vacation (laughs) spot back then. Yes. (laughs) Not so wholesome. Definitely not so wholesome. Um, I know that Al Capone's lieutenants actually frequented the saloons and brothels, and I think it's very well established that there for sure were um, quite a variety of saloons and brothels on Silver Street in the town of Hurley. So I don't know why the FBI didn't just, you know, surround the tiny little metropolis of Hurley if they were looking for some of these guys. I think that's where we, I'm pretty sure that's where we could have found them. I could have told the FBI that. I don't think the agents (laughs) want to be caught by their wives in some of those places in Hurley. That's worth. They're getting paid. (laughs) But honey, I was just working. Yeah, it's it was pretty fast. So that's your Northwoods tour. So starting, you know, Manitowash Waters is definitely that iconic spot. Lac de Flambeau, that's where you'll want to stay at Dillman's Bay Resort. If you want that full, comprehensive gangster tour, go get a drink at Little Bohemia Lodge. How about order the John Dillinger Signature Steak? Stay at cabin number five in Lac de Flambeau. Go have an old-fashioned and maybe Friday night fish fry at Norwood Pine Supper Club in Manaqua and maybe explore the trails, do something a little more innocent in the town of Hurley off of Silver Street. <laughs> <laughs> it's an easy drive tour too. US 51 and highways 70 and 47. Just get you all around to all of those places. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. While we're talking real quick on Northwoods, there were a couple of fun facts I have to share that really cracked me up. This first one is that Al Capone's rival, Roger Tui, evidently (laughs) vacationed in Minocqua and was known for fishing with a machine gun. (laughs) Haven't you ever wished you had one of those when you were trying to catch a fish? I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Sometimes those slippery little suckers, you just, you know, the, the fishing rod doesn't isn't enough. But I'm just picturing a guy with a fedora out in a canoe with a machine gun in one hand and a cigar in the other trying to catch that muskie or minnow or whatever he was trying to get. Yeah. Um, isn't that funny? I mean, it's not funny. I'm sure PETA's like, that is not funny. But I'm just saying it is a really, you can't do it nowadays, obviously, but it is a really interesting visual. <laughs> well, if, if you want your fish to look like Swiss cheese, 
when you're trying there to prepare it. Yeah, and eat what do you it, think they did? That's true. They couldn't even do anything with the fish. You're, you're essentially <laughs> disintegrating the fish as you catch it. Do you think the neighbors complain like, oh, Roger's out on the boat again with his machine gun. Somebody please go catch it. <laughs> it's machine gunning fish again. Well, they call them ter- Roger Terrible Tui. And there's an <laughs> avenue in Chicago named after him to oh, this yeah. day. So. That it, there is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then one other fun fact related to the Northwoods takes us over to Hayward. Uh, Al Capone had a summer home on a lake near Hayward to which hydroplanes flew whiskey in from Canada. Yeah, that was another reason why they loved the Northwoods was they could, there was all those lakes up there that they could get their booze flown in on seaplanes and then drive it down to Chicago. Crazy. It's well, so you know what? Why don't we transition to my little smaller southeastern Wisconsin tour on that point? Yes, because I was going to say, because most of mine were more of the iconic spots, but I think you've got some fun hidden gems on oh. your side of things. There it is. Well, and speaking of Al Capone and a house and seaplanes and smuggling, Al Capone had a northern outpost in Hayward. He also had one in southern Wisconsin in Brookfield. Hmm. He had a 37-acre plot of land for vacation and a nice house in there. And I think we brought this house up, ah, which one of the episodes in October, right? The haunted haunted places? Well, yeah, this one wasn't necessarily haunted, but he owned a a really nice house on this 37-acre tract of land. It was near a Greyhound racetrack in which he owned part interest. And where that racetrack was is now where Brookfield Square is, which is (sighs) a... shopping mall and restaurant complex and everything. And we had talked about this, Mariah, how he had a flock of geese that would signal if intruders were coming because they'd start (laughs) just flying all over the place. Genius. Yes. So he would have seaplanes landing in Hayward. And then if they don't go, if they didn't go straight to Chicago, they could land in Brookfield Hmm. and gas up or go to the track and then keep on going. Now the house still stands today on a street. Uh, It's not too far off I-94 in Brookfield. And the street is known as Capone Court. Hmm. Hmm. Because they don't have to keep it under wraps anymore. (laughs) Feds never descended on that house. (laughs) But I do have a story coming up where the feds did descend. And that's Uh uh, after this next one. Now, of course, (laughs) another very popular destination in Wisconsin with not just Chicago gangsters during Prohibition, but Chicago people to this day is Lake Geneva. (laughs) And there is a waterfront home kind of on the southeast edge of Lake Geneva a little bit south of downtown, or Geneva Lake, I should say, technically. And it's called Mm -hmm. the Water's Edge. And it was built in the 1880s, and it was kind of a, it was almost like a and b for a bunch of notorious Chicago gangsters. It had a secluded lakefront location, but it had close (laughs) proximity to the city. Target market for a bed and breakfast, you would not think is Chicago gangsters. Please continue, Just You had your machine gun check-in area and all that good (laughs) stuff, right? (laughs) So, Babyface Nelson, John Dillinger, and George Bugs Moran are all examples of gangsters who stayed there. The nice part about being on the southeast corner of Geneva Lake is you got a straight shot to Chicago. Mm. You don't have to go around the water at all. You just pew, 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 up and down Highway 12 right there. 3,500 square foot house, which includes six indoor gathering places, seven bedrooms, many with sitting areas, a lakefront deck, a rooftop deck, a private yard, beach, and a pier for your boats. And it was actually a regular B&B for a while. Uh, upon further review, it looks like it's closed right now, but I do believe it's for sale. So if mm. you want a Aww. piece of gangster history yep, and some, some extra cash, 
<laughs> yeah, you may be interested in buying it. So you can check that out. Uh, the water's edge of Lake Geneva and uh, right next to it is also called the French Country Inn. So it's right in that area near, mm-hmm. uh, is it Big Bend State Park? Big Beach, Big Beach Big State Beach. Park. Yeah. So. Wow. God, those guys got around. I just got to say, those guys got, like, they covered a lot of ground at Wisconsin, which is kind of impressive in its own right. It's, it's right? amazing that they were able to last as long as they did, moving around that much. Well, I was looking at some website that was saying, I mean, Wisconsin was happy to have them. Wisconsin was hit very hard by the Great Depression and Prohibition and the money that these guys were bringing to the local areas. People were more than happy to look the other way. Mm -hmm. I do find that fascinating that they weren't really ever seen, like they were celebrities in their own right and weren't really looked down upon because there was so much hatred toward banks back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see that people looked at them like, I don't know, not Robin Hoods of their time probably, but but <laughs> yeah. kind of in a own weird, you know, weird, weird criminal way. It's I find that perception of them pretty fascinating. Well, and Wisconsinites yeah. weren't big fans of prohibition overall either. Nope. Yeah. And they provided <laughs> love that. They provided a little relief from prohibition. All right, <laughs> I will end with a story. A true one, apparently, according to local lore. Uh, you know, Mariah, we talked about the Oconomowoc area, how that was popular with a lot of gangsters, too. Uh, Ralph Capone, who is Al Capone's brother, owned a resort near Oconomowoc, technically kind of the village of Summit area near Delafield. Uh, and that resort was a place where some of Al's guys, his staff, would visit, swim, and relax on Upper Namabin Lake in Waukesha hmm. County. So his place was called the Lakeview Resort and Hotel. And one of Al Capone's men, Jack Zuda, famously met his end there. Hmm. Now, again, it was on the lake and they had a whole bunch of you know cool areas like a bar and a jukebox and everything. Now, Jack Zuda, uh, an attempt was made on his life in Chicago in July of 1930. So he decided he needed to go to Wisconsin to hide and recuperate. So he checked in under a false name with two other men and a woman and just sought refuge. And he spent time fishing and swimming the rest of July. At the start of August on a Friday evening, Jack Zuda was in the dance pavilion of the Lakeview Hotel on Upper Namabin, dropping nickels into a player piano as they did back then. (laughs) So couples were dancing nearby and the tune that was playing was called, It May Be Good For You, But It's So Bad For Me. Uh (laughs) Which I can't believe Taylor Swift hasn't covered yet. (laughs) It does sound like a Taylor Swift song. Yes, it does. (laughs) So Jack Zuda had his back turned. He didn't notice five men who walked into the pavilion single file. Uh Uh-oh. One man carried a machine gun. Another had a pistol. Others had combinations of rifles and shotguns. Oh, my goodness. And just as Zuda turned around, a bullet ripped through his face just below his nose. That (laughs) spun him around. He still tried to run. Oh, boy. Fifteen more shots hit him in the head and body. Wow. The shooters hurried out and, along with three lookouts, took off. Jeez. Oh, my God. Zuda's death actually, though, uncovered so much of what was going on in terms of corruption in Illinois, because it turns out Jack Zuda kept meticulous records, and he had a ton of information about what was in various safe deposit boxes, and that led to the capture of a huge whiskey shipment to Bugs Moran and information about police raids on breweries and mafia payoffs to state and city officials. And it really kind of almost helped bring about the end of that era. Wow, and the Jack. name Zuda later became kind of a euphemism for revenge. Huh. Because Al Capone, oh. in 1931, he had a $50,000 bounty placed on him. And Al Capone was quoted as saying, nobody's going to Zuda me. 
Wow. I'm so reusing that in my life without a doubt. (laughs) (laughs) And there is nothing left of the Lakeview Resort because you drive right through where it used to be when you're on I-94 today. Oh, wow. Going between Upper and Lower Namabin Lake in Waukesha County. That's a good story. Crazy. Thank you for that story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in terms of, I like to kind of see how life ended for each of these Chicago slash Wisconsin gangsters. So I know Dillinger died in Chicago during a shootout outside a theater, right? Mm-hmm. And Babyface Nelson, I think, also died during a shootout with the FBI. I don't remember where that was. And then Bugs Moran, I think, died in prison. So I believe he got out of prison but then was rearrested for an earlier bank robbery and then went back to prison where he died of lung cancer. And Al Capone died of some kind of... He didn't die in prison, right? He died out of prison, I want to say. I thought he was in prison. Was he? But he he had a nasty case of something. Mm. It rhymes with wiffleus, and that's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. How did... <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a Google question I'm seeing right now. How did he, uh, how did he contract wiffleus? Yes. Um, <laughs> so he died of cardiac arrest after suffering a stroke hmm. in 1947. And what they actually put him away on was income tax evasion. Really? Yeah. Of all the things. Mm-hmm. Public wow. enemy number one. That was what they could get paperwork and evidence on and make stuff. Yeah. Also, one of his nicknames was Snorky, which would have made a much better title for a movie than Scarface, in my opinion. <laughs> Snorky. <laughs> They'll probably make more gangster movies in the future, so don't be shocked if that shows up. I kind of want a movie about Mr. Catfish. <laughs> I love that name. Isn't that yeah. a great name? Very memorable. They all have every character in all of these stories have the best names. Like I would like a gangster yeah. name like Babyface Nelson. That is just gotta love that. What was did John Dillinger have a nickname? No. I don't think he did. It was just John. Just kept it basic. <laughs> Do we have a moment still, Susan? Yes. Well, I've, I just decided. Well, it. <laughs> I was gonna say we have three more minutes, um, but I actually have, if I can, <gasps> yes. a fun fact. As I'm sitting right now in downtown Egg Harbor, mm-hmm. and it's also quite famous at Shipwrecks Restaurant, which was the oldest building in Egg Harbor for a long time until the original burned down a few years ago. Mm. Um, that was also an Al Capone famous um, mm. hideout to the point oh. that underneath the restaurant he built tunnels to <gasps> all of the other spots in Egg Harbor. Oh my god! Um, wow. So that was always kind of a fun little trivia piece for us up here. Wait, so do those tunnels still exist? No one knows. Okay. <laughs> this is one of those, like, there's no hard evidence on these. Uh-huh. And sure. then when the building burned down a few years ago, um, I think a lot of that was destroyed, if there was any. So oh. someone's going to fact check me on that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that should be an episode. We got to study yeah. that. <laughs> if we could do a gangster episode, my life would be made. Like, I would retire. I would Can I wear so the happy. fedora? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get like a pinstripe suit or something. Well, if we still have a minute (laughs) or two, I've got one more, not hideout, but just cool uh, Dillinger history Mm, trek if you want to make one. Yeah. Uh, His infamous bank robbery in Racine, which was in 1934, where Racine Art Museum is on Main Street downtown today, was a bank back then. Mm -hmm. And Dillinger and his men robbed that bank Mm -hmm. and got away. I think somebody got shot, but nobody was killed or anything in that bank robbery. And they got away, but the feds did manage to keep one or two of the guns used in that robbery. And if you want to see it, it's on display in the Racine Police Department. 
Really? Right now, off of just off highways 20 and 32, like 6th and 7th Street, going into downtown, the west side of downtown, there's a Wisconsin, uh, the Racine Police Headquarters or Precinct, I'm not sure which one it is, but if you walk in the front lobby, they've got a little mini museum of all kinds of stuff in there, including one of the original Dillinger guns. Wow. And you cool. can just walk in and see it anytime. It's a police hmm. station. They're always open, you know. And I don't know where they went to hide out after that, but I'm sure it was in Wisconsin. <laughs> hmm. Hearing about this topic just makes me frustrated that I don't know more about it. Like, <gasps> I don't know why I've lived so many years without really diving deep into this history. It's pretty cool. It's so interesting. I'm trying to, like, a lot of these are on my list yet. Like, I haven't seen, I've known a lot about a lot of the hideouts. Like we kind of mentioned earlier, they're really scattered throughout the state. They're not all in just one corner. I know the Northwoods Tour is probably the most infamous one, but that's, yeah, Little Bohemia Lodge, I would say, is probably the one at the top of my list. I've got to get there. I've got to get there. Mm -hmm. Get an old-fashioned and a steak. (laughs) Do you think John Dillinger was a coffee drinker? Well, they needed their caffeine. I mean, sure to rob banks, yeah, to warm, got up. To, to warm up, yeah, to kind of, yeah, have the adrenaline to escape the FBI. I feel like they probably <laughs> would have indulged in some just coffee, but I don't know that for sure. You could be like Tui, you drink a bunch of coffee, you're like, let's go machine gun some fish. <laughs> oh, a beautiful combination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure goodness. just coffee does not condone fishing with I'm, machine guns. I'm, <laughs> I'm positive that they don't. But no, because it's clarify. an inefficient way to get your fish. <laughs> it's very inefficient. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't wait to listen to the voicemails we get after this one. Um, okay, I want to talk about subscription services because I admit I'm a little bit of an obsessed fan of all things subscriptions. I love mm-hmm. getting my monthly subscriptions of just all kinds of fun little boxes, but I have yet to do a coffee subscription service. And guess what? Just Coffee to the rescue. So when you sign up for either Just Coffee's three, six, or 12-month coffee subscription, you'll receive two 12-ounce bags of fresh, fair trade, and organic coffee beans right to your doorstep. Best of all, when they add a new coffee to the collection or when seasonal coffees are back in stock, you'll be one of the first people to get your hands on a bag. I like that. Mm. They also make really great holiday presents. And this is speaking to me. They're great last minute gift ideas because you can sign up or sign someone else up for a subscription service as a present and it'll go to their inbox in 30 minutes or less. So there's that. So you can even arrive at your gift exchange, get embarrassed because you forgot your gift, (laughs) excuse yourself to the bathroom or something, Mm -hmm. just take care of that on your phone and there you go. That's so true. Great gift. Nobody would know. Any different. Mm -hmm. Plus, you can use promo code CABIN10 at checkout for 10% off at justcoffee.coop. I myself have used that maybe three or four times in the past couple months. So maybe I should stop doing so many individual orders and just get on this (laughs) subscription plan. There you go. (laughs) That is promo code CABIN10. Happy shopping. It's back. Mariah, are you up for this? Are you up for being Motormouth Mariah? I am kind of <laughs> nervous after your performance last week. You killed it. It was your best performance of all time. It's a high bar. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, okay. So we're going to do Wisconsin in 72. 
our segment where we do a rundown of cool events happening in Wisconsin in 72 seconds. The reason why we do 72 seconds is because there are 72 counties. And the theme of the events this go around is all about candlelight hikes. Ooh. Mm, Isn't that sounds nice? Sounds nice. Yeah, and just perfect sort of events to socially distance, get out there safely, and take in the hiking with some pretty well-lit trails. I'm all about it. All right. Well, let's hear about them. You ready? Okay. Uh, Yep. Mark your calendars for the Winter Solstice Candlelight Hike on December 19th in Bristol. Bring the family out to celebrate the Winter Solstice as we learn about the solstice and burn a Yule log. You can also go out for a hike in the candle and moonlit snow. Later, we'll warm up with mugs of hot cocoa. Here's the one at the top of my list. Green Bay's Heritage Hill State Park is hosting a luminary walk on January 8th and 9th. Stroll the serene 1.5-mile winter trail of the 54-acre historic state park as lanterns guide your way. Guests will get a peek into some of the decorated historic buildings such as a Moravian church, fort schoolhouse, blacksmith shop, fur trader cabin, and farmhouse. How about the Turtle Flambeau Candlelight Ski and Snowshoe? On January 25th, there will be a warming fire, hot chocolate, hot cider, and of course, sweet treats for all. Sponsored by the Mecca Cross Country Ski Club. The trail begins at the heated trailhead cabin on Furick Road in Mercer. Let's make our way to Trivers. That's two rivers, for those of you who don't know. For the Point Beach Candlelight Ski and Hike, which is also on January 25th, ski or hike a one-mile candlelit trail through the forest. Afterwards, enjoy the warm fire in the lodge where food and refreshments will be available for sale. <sighs> well done. Very Apparently good. we need more, more events. Yep, mine was shorter. So the, does that mean I win? No. Mm. I packed more into 72 seconds. Yeah. I think it's funny, though. We try and cram all this into 72 seconds, but spend two, three minutes talking about it beforehand. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Well, if I was too fast for all y'all, you can go check out our new blog post all about candlelight hikes at bobber.discoverwisconsin.com. And it was a piece written by Susan, so you're going to love it. <laughs> yep. Excellent. So, shall we do a review, Mariah? I would love that very much. I get to do one this time. This is pretty cool. This came from uh, back in November 7th. Uh, Katvik, oh, listening on Apple Russian. Podcasts, titled, <laughs> yes, it does, <laughs> titled, Love This Podcast, which, of course, will get us to open it. Yep. <laughs> and uh, she made it short and sweet, but awesome. I love listening to your podcast and watching the episodes on YouTube. I've learned so much about the state and added so many musts to my list. Just like last week, you talked about extending your bucket list. Yeah. Even a regular list. You got to add a lot here. of musts. Yep. So, Cat Vic. Thank you, Cat Vic. Thank you very much. Cat Vic. And of course, don't forget, you can binge watch Discover Wisconsin on YouTube and other things like Amazon Fire, Roku, Google Chrome, Apple, Apple TV, TV, Smart TV, Smart TV, any of Google Chromecast, Roku. I said Roku. Yeah. Google just, TV a thing now? YouTube, I don't. Is that a separate thing? Google. I don't know. Yeah. Nah, Google maybe? Play. I've got the little Google <laughs> stick. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and of course, don't forget, you can uh, do a voicemail too, and I'll tell you more about that in a second. But first, I have to remind you to come back next week for episode mm-hmm. 47. We're going to kick back and do a seasonal check-in with one another, see how we're all mm-hmm. doing as we bring 2020 to a close, experience some of the shortest daylight days, and mm-hmm. answer <laughs> fan-submitted questions. So for us to answer those questions, Head over to the Around the Campfire Facebook page or give us a call and leave a message after the beep. This is that voicemail number you can leave us a message at. It is 608-909-1935. A year, all the gangsters are running around Wisconsin. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) 
Today's episode of The Cabin was hosted by me, Mariah Hopperman, Eric Paulson, and Dave Janis. Produced by me, Susan Foch, and Audio Dave. Tune in next week for more campfire conversations and insight into the world of Discover Wisconsin. The Cabin is a production brought to you by Discover MediaWorks. To learn more, head to discovermediaworks.com and don't forget to leave us a review.